Well, let's uh, turn to uh, Mark chapter 5, which we read earlier, and to the account particularly of the raising of Jairus' daughter. And uh, I want to begin uh, by reading verse 36, Mark chapter 5 and verse 36. Uh, Men have come with a message for Jairus that his little girl has died. And then we read in verse 36, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Uh, Some translations put it like this, don't be afraid, just trust me. Jesus is not exhorting Jairus to faith in general, but particularly in believing in Jesus and trusting in Jesus, the one to whom he has gone for help. And in the face of this terrible news, Jesus tells him not to be afraid, but just to trust him. We're living, aren't we, in a time when there is fear and anxiety uh, around the world. People are anxious and concerned, and we, we hear about people doing things in panic um, because of, of a virus uh, that has made many people ill and some have, have died. And fear is something that is common to all people. And uh, above all, there is a fear of dying. And we find the Lord Jesus Christ in this situation, dealing with a situation where Jairus' daughter, a little girl, has died. And the way in which he responded to the cry for help and the way in which he raised her to life. I wonder as you read the gospel accounts, perhaps privately or sitting reading them, you read a chapter like, Mark chapter 5, are you constantly amazed at what Jesus did? Uh, We have here in this, just this one chapter, some remarkable things. Uh, There was Legion, and we're told about him that no one was strong enough to subdue him. Uh, He was a hopeless case, but uh, when Jesus came into his life and situation, he was set free and transformed. And when the people came out to see what had happened, we're told that they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. What that means is that they sensed that God was there, that the power of God had broken in to set this man free. So there was somebody whom nobody could subdue. And then there was a a lady who couldn't find a cure. She'd been ill for 12 years with a debilitating illness of of constant bleeding. And uh, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And she'd spent all she had, but she didn't get better, she got worse. And she comes up in the crowd and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And immediately... The bleeding stops and she knows in her body that she's been freed from her suffering. And then this this man, Jairus, who's told it's too late. You didn't get back home in time. Your little girl has died and nothing can be done. And Jesus goes and he raises her to life. And it's the the amazing way in which the glory of Jesus, the Son of God, is revealed in the Gospels as he responds to one need after another. 
and uh, he is still a living saviour. And in this world of need, where many people are anxious and afraid and in trouble, perhaps you are anxious and afraid tonight, there is one who towers over all the figures of history because he is the Son of God who has taken human nature. And uh, he responded again and again to the needs of people when he was here on earth, and still he responds to our needs as well. And he says to us, as he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just trust me. And that's what the heart of being a Christian. We put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and in what he did on the cross as we have sung in our last hymn. That great day when he dealt once and for all uh, with sin and the punishment that sin deserved, taking it to himself. And uh, death was crushed to death and life Uh, became real. He brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And uh, you need to trust in him and not be afraid. And I want us just very simply to look at this passage and see how he responded to to Jairus and his wife and uh, this little 12-year-old girl. Because death comes to people at all sorts of different ages. It isn't uh, the case that everybody lives a a long life and then dies. Some people die at an early age. And uh, this little girl was seriously ill at just 12 years old. Uh, Death is the punishment of sin. It's the consequence of the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden. And uh, in Adam, we're told, all die. And the cemeteries of the city and of the world bear testimony to that, the people who have lived here before us and and have died. And uh, the paths of glory, one poet says, lead but to the grave. It doesn't matter whether you're great and famous or poor and unknown. And death is an appointment that all of us must make. But there is that expectation, isn't there, that, that we will live for a certain time. And very often people say, well, you know, I want to enjoy my life and I'll think about God later. But there isn't always a later. And even when later comes, very often we continue in the same way we've continued through our lives. And people who have ignored God and turned away from him through the whole of their lives don't necessarily turn to him when they know that their life is coming to an end. And uh, here this little family, mum and dad and what seems to be their only daughter, are facing this crisis. They live in Capernaum, and, and Jairus is one of the synagogue rulers. It, it may be that he was a man who had had a daughter in his old age, and uh, just the one daughter. And you can imagine how special that daughter was to Jairus and his wife. And, and now she's ill. She's seriously ill. Now, the medical facilities that are available to us are not available to them. A very simple means, really, of dealing with illness. Uh, When uh, the Samaritan came across the man on the road to Jericho uh, that had been beaten, he poured in oil and wine to soothe and to cleanse the wounds of the man. And the the other lady who'd uh, been under the care of many doctors hadn't got better. There weren't easy remedies. And this girl has got an illness, a disease. And... uh, It's taking her life from her. And uh, Jairus and his wife have the heartbreaking 
the experience of sitting by their little girl, trying to do everything they can to help her, trying to encourage her to take something to eat, but she either can't eat, or if she eats, she is sick, and she is running at temperature. And the medical people of time have come, they've done the best that they can, but it hasn't changed the situation. And her little life is, is slipping away. And they're wondering, what can we do? How can we respond to this situation? And they come to the conclusion that there's only one person who can help them, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. They know him. They live in Capernaum, and Capernaum was a, a little town where Jesus had made his base during his ministry, especially in Galilee. And uh, he had gone to the synagogue where Jairus was one of the rulers, one of the leaders of the synagogue. Uh, and they had seen Jesus perform miracles, and they knew that Jesus had done remarkable things. And uh, so they, they talk about it, they pray, and then they make a big decision that Jairus is going to leave the home, leave his wife and the little girl, and is going to try to find Jesus. He can't pick up the phone and ring, he can't speak to friends and ask, do you know where Jesus is? He's got to leave and he's got to go around the town and, and hope that he will find Jesus. And so he kisses his wife and he kisses the little girl and he, he tells them that he loves them and he'll be back as quickly as he can. And he leaves the house and he sets off to find Jesus. You know, when somebody is ill, it's a seriously ill, drawing near to the end of their lives. It's a big thing uh, to leave them. And my father was ill in the Heath Hospital in 1975 with cancer and uh, my mother spent many, many hours with him through the weeks that he was in hospital, sat with him by day and by night. And then very near the end, uh, there was a crisis and she realized that she needed help. She went out of the room to, uh, to get the medical staff and they came in and they asked her to sit outside while they did their best uh, to save him. But then they came out and they said, I'm sorry, uh, he has died. My mother said in retrospect, she, she wished she just stayed with him. She'd sat with him all that time and she wished she just sat by him. But it's not the sort of thing you can do. You're bound to seek help. But she just wanted to be there with him. And she was sad that she wasn't with him at that point where he passed into eternity. And Jairus takes this, this risk. It's possible his little girl will die while he's away, so he's going to hurry. And he rushes around Capernaum and he starts asking people, have you, have you seen Jesus? And they say, well, he's down by the lake and there's a great crowd and he's teaching them. It so happened that Jesus was there because earlier in the chapter he'd been the other side of the lake and uh, he'd been casting those evil spirits out of legion. And then the people in the area had said to him, we don't want you to stay, go away. And so he left and he came across the Sea of Galilee and he was back in Capernaum and Jairus runs to where the crowd is. He pushes through the crowd and uh, then he, he falls on his knees and he pleads earnestly, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. It's an expression of faith and confidence in Jesus. Please come. Come now. Come quickly. 
And if only you can come and get to our home before she dies and put your hands on her, we know that she will be healed and she will live. Uh, that's what it means to trust in Jesus. He has that confidence in Jesus that if only Jesus will come, all will be well. I wonder whether you ever come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ with that confidence that as you plead with him for forgiveness and for reconciliation and for whatever need you have, that he, he hears your prayer and he's able to meet your need as he was able to meet the need of this little family as well. And uh, Jesus said, I'll come. He leaves the crowd that he's teaching and he commits himself to Jairus and little family and he's going to help them. And he sets off for Jairus' home. Jairus didn't have a watch, but he's conscious that time is passing and it must have seemed a long time he'd been away from the house and he couldn't wait to get back. But the crowd decided to follow and they came with him and they pressed around him. If you've ever been to a, a large concert or a, a large sporting occasion and the concert and the sporting occasion is over and you're leaving and all the crowd are leaving at the same time, you know what it's like. You, you just shuffle along, don't you really? You can't walk. It's a very slow job and you've got to get through the entrances and so on and that's the situation. They need to get there quickly but the people are getting in the way and Jairus is saying inwardly, come on. Come on, we've got to get there. Because if only you can get there, you will touch her and heal her. And she will live. But it's taking so long. And then something happens. Something unexpected happens. A woman. A woman with a, a need as well. A great need. The little girl was 12 years old. And this lady had been ill for 12 years. Suffering from this bleeding. And uh, it had left her very weak. And some of the medical treatment she'd had had probably made her worse. And she was also unclean and uh, unable to participate in the normal religious life of Israel. And she has decided that Jesus is the one who can help her as well. Isn't it a wonderful thing that God responds to many needs simultaneously, all at the same time? There's Jairus and he's got a need and there's this woman and she's got a need. And uh, she says, if I can just come behind him in the crowd, she doesn't want to draw attention to herself. She just believes that if she can touch uh, the hem of his garment, then, sh then she will be healed. Again, there's faith, isn't there? There's confidence in Jesus. There is no one we should have more confidence in than in him. Jairus needs his little girl to be healed and not to die. This woman needs to be healed from her affliction. And they are confident that Jesus can meet their need. And whatever your need might be tonight, he is able to meet that need. And so she comes up and she touches his clothes and she's healed. Immediately she's healed. And the bleeding stops. She knows that she has been healed and freed from her suffering. And Jesus knows too. He realizes that power has gone out from him. Something's happened that he's engaged with someone in that throng, that crowd, in a powerful, gracious, healing way. And he stops. And he turns around in the crowd and he says, who touched my clothes? And uh, the disciples say, you see the people crowding against you and yet you can ask who touched me? They're all touching, they're all pushing and shoving. 
How can you say that one person has touched you? But Jesus keeps looking around to see who has done it. You put your pla- yourself in the place of, of Jairus. It seemed that they were getting to, even though it's slow, they were getting to the house and, and his little girl was going to be healed and lived and now there's been a delay. And he's, he's sort of saying, come on, come on to the crowd and to the people. And uh, Jesus looks around and eventually the woman, knowing what has happened to her, comes and falls at his feet. Jairus fell at her, his feet. She falls at her feet, his feet. And she is trembling. And she told him the whole truth. Uh, I don't know whether you've known somebody who's been ill for 12 years, but it's a long story, isn't it? When you tell all the things that have happened, how you became ill in the first place and what you tried and what didn't work and how things had happened... I don't know how long it took for her to tell Jesus her story, but he waited and he listened to her story. And uh, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It's a wonderful thing that, that Jesus takes time with her. Jesus never met an unimportant person. You know, sometimes you meet people, even people you know sometimes, and they just want to rush past you because they're in a hurry. They've got an appointment to to make. Well, Jesus was in a hurry. He was going to help Jairus and this little girl. But he spent time with this lady. She had a need too. And he reassured her. And he said it was her faith that had healed her, but it was his power that had healed her. But that's what happens when we come to Jesus with faith and confidence. It's the channel by which... His power, his grace, his help comes to us. And it came to that woman and she was able to go on with her life, freed from her suffering. And as Jesus is speaking to the woman, uh, some men come. You know, sometimes when, when men come, more than one, perhaps two men, perhaps you go to answer the door and you see these two figures. It may be perhaps two policemen, a policeman and woman and man, whatever it might be, and you, you sense immediately that it, it's not good news. And Jairus would have known these men. He would have recognized them. And they've come with a message. And if you've ever had to tell somebody that someone they love has died, you know how difficult it is to do that. There's no easy way to do it. And they say, your, your daughter is dead. And Jairus is just overwhelmed at that news. That was the news he didn't want to hear. That's the news he dreaded hearing. They then went on to say something that they didn't need to say. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? And uh, they're implying a number of things. First of all, that the Jairus coming to Jesus is bothering him. It isn't a bother. It isn't something that he does reluctantly. We might do that sometimes with people. The phone rings at an inconvenient time and you don't want to speak to me. You've got something else you're doing. But, but coming to the Lord Jesus is never like that. He's never bothered at our coming. But the, what they're saying really is it's, it's too late. Jesus can't do anything. He didn't get there in time. And your desperate search to try to get help has failed. So just tell the teacher to go on and do something else and come to terms with the fact that your little girl has died. And you can imagine how distraught at that point Jairus is. 
he's overwhelmed, he's broken-hearted. And he thinks about his little girl, he thinks about his wife, and he, he probably says, I wish I hadn't left them. If only I'd stayed there with them, and I would have been there, and I wasn't there. When his little girl slipped away, and his wife held her hand, and, and the dad wasn't there. And he's overwhelmed with fear. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just trust me. You see, when the worst has happened, he is still someone to be trusted. And Jairus is to trust him. And, and we too are to learn to trust him when it seems that everything is going wrong. Uh, when everything we've asked for has not happened and we've been sure that God would intervene, it doesn't seem to have intervened. But we're still to keep our eyes fixed on him and we're still to trust in him and have confidence in him. And now Jesus puts the crowd away and he goes on with Jairus and with his three close disciples, Peter, James and John, who witnessed a number of situations, just the three of them. Uh, they were there on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were there in the Garden of Gethsemane and they're here now as they go to Jairus' house when he's going to raise the little girl. And they move on, just the three of them, and, and Jairus is struggling just to hold on to his confidence in Jesus because he's heard the news that his little daughter has died. And when they come to the home, in a sense, there's another wave of fear that could have overwhelmed Jairus. Um, because when they came, there was a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. There would have been flutes. There were, would have been people wailing, making a terrible, dreary, hopeless noise. They knew that the little girl was ill. They were waiting for her to die. And now they come to lament her death. But it wasn't a help. It was a kind of thing that overwhelmed those who were already broken-hearted. And Jesus comes into this situation, it's hopelessness. There's no hope here. There's no confidence in Jesus here. They just see death, and death is the end. And he goes in and he says to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. Just imagine that, wailing, mourning, and then mocking laughter. And here is Jairus, it's his home, it's his wife, it's his little girl. And these people have come. And they've come with their wailing and their mourning and now they're mocking the Saviour, the one in whom he has put his trust. And it's no wonder that Jesus put them all out. And then he took Jairus and the mother and the disciples who were with him and they went into where the child was. And her pale, cold body lies there on the bed. Whenever we come into the presence of someone who has died, you know that, that sense of stillness, of silence, of coldness, of a sense of helplessness, that we can do nothing about it. And, and Jairus sees his little girl for the, the first time uh, since she has died, but but Jesus is there and these three disciples are there and, 
And Jesus has told him that he's going to help. And he's told him to keep on trusting. And Jairus is saying to him, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what he's going to do. He had never seen Jesus raise somebody from the dead. And Jesus, in a lovely way, a very gentle way, goes to the little girl and he, he takes her by the hand. And uh, he says to her, Talitha, kum. Which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. It, it's, they're the words which a mother or father would speak to a child when it's time to get up in the morning. If you've ever been to, to wake one of your children, you know you realise it's late, they've got to get to school and you go in and you don't shout at them. Well, perhaps you do. But <laughs> it's not a nice thing to do that, is it? To suddenly bring them out of sleep. And you go and say, come on, come on, it's, it's time to get up. And they come round, they open their eyes and, and they rub their eyes and it's time to get up. And, and Jesus comes to this little girl and he says, Talitha, Kum, little girl, I say to you, arise, it's time to get up. She's not dead, she's asleep. He speaks and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The dead can't hear, but they can hear his voice. And uh, she hears and uh, she opens her eyes. And it's no wonder that we're told they were completely astonished all of them. And he told them not to tell anyone because the people had mocked him and he didn't want to uh, give the details to people who would just simply make fun of what had happened. And then there's that lovely touch, isn't it? He told them to give her something to eat. She's brought to life by supernatural power, but now she's alive. She needs the things that normally sustain life. She's a little girl, she's going to run and skip and hop and enjoy life again. But she hasn't eaten for a long time and she just needs something to eat. And she sits there and she eats and she's well and she's alive. And Jesus did it. What an amazing miracle. What a wonderful grace for this little family. Mum and dad and little girl. Isn't it wonderful that, that God is interested in us? In our insignificance as far as the world is concerned. And yet he can draw near to us and meet us at our point of greatest need. This life-giving power, this power that is greater even than enemy, the enemy of death, the last enemy of death, and that brings us back to life. And you know, if you're a Christian uh, this evening, you need to know just how powerful God's work in your life is. Uh, when Paul was writing to the Ephesians, he told them he was praying for them. And uh, he said he prayed that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And he mentioned a few things that he wanted them to understand. And one of them was this, that you might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. He says, the power of God in your life, as he gave you new life in Jesus, 
was that same power that took Jesus from the grave to resurrection life, to heaven and to the right hand of the Father. The power that raised that little girl was God's power, bringing her to life. She was dead, but he made her live. And when we become Christians, God gives us life when we put our trust in him. And it's his life in our lives, in our souls. Uh, and it's a life which continues, sustains us, and will ultimately bring us into his presence with rejoicing. This is a mighty miracle. And every person who comes to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord experiences a miracle of God's power. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but he makes us alive together with Christ. And also in the face of death, an appointment that all of us one day must keep, we know too something of his power. Uh, the ascended Lord appeared to John, the last surviving apostle, who had been in that room when Jairus' daughter was raised to life. And John was on the island of Patmos, and he was there because of his faithfulness to God. And it was hard labor, and the churches to which he'd ministered were struggling. And no doubt he was concerned about them. And then suddenly the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him in all his heavenly glory. And John wrote, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. Again, you see that, that reassuring touch. He put his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and of Hades. John is near the end of his life. And then he's told not to be afraid. Because his Lord and Savior is the first and the last. He's there at the beginning. He's there at the end. And he is the living one who died and who rose again and is alive forever and has the keys of death and of Hades. When believers enter into death, it's the realm where Jesus reigns, where Jesus rules, and he is the living one. It's by his power that he raises us to life, gives us spiritual life, and when this body fails, he is there, and he has the keys and the authorities the authority over the realm of death and the intermediate state of Hades and on into heaven and into glory. And, you know, he's the only one who has that authority. Nobody else could have helped Jairus and his wife and the little girl. There was no one in the whole of history who could have helped them as Jesus did. And whatever your need might be tonight, there is no one who is able to help you accept him and to give you that is that spiritual life that eternal life which is god's gift to us as we put our trust in him and his words perhaps to us this evening are the same as his words to jairus when jairus's heart was breaking as he heard the news that his little girl had died and he was overcome by fear and jesus said don't be afraid just trust me Amen.